Welcome to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, a bi-weekly look at all things related to the growing elite clubs nationally, the ECNL. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. Now, here's your host for Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, former U.S. soccer press officer and longtime soccer broadcaster, Dean Linke. I am Dean Linke, and this is who we have on today's show. Hey, this is Michelle Krisnick, president of DOC with the Michigan Hawks. Join Dean Linke and me this week as we talk all things ECNL and Michigan Hawks. Truly one of the model franchises in the ECNL, the Michigan Hawks, and Michelle Krisnick, one of the model leaders, both as a coach and as a president. You'll enjoy my conversation with her on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. And that starts right after this message from the ECNL. As the game continues to evolve in the United States, the ECNL remains the standard of excellence in youth soccer. The Elite Clubs National League has grown to include over 200 clubs and nearly 50,000 players across the country with a robust competition platform for teams, educational resources for coaches and clubs, and unparalleled identification and development opportunities for players. Alongside its member clubs, collaborating to create a better future, the ECNL continues to raise the game every day. The ECNL is more than a league. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Once again, here's Dean. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast, where we're so pleased to be joined by Michelle Krisnick, who's the president and director of coaching for the almighty, I think, outstanding club, the Michigan Hawks. Michelle, thanks for being on this week's edition of Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you for having me, Dean. Much appreciated yeah. introduction. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to actually getting to know you a little bit better, but more importantly, we want to start to use these editions where we talk to key people with different clubs about the conferences that you're in and some of the, the things that are working well. So before we do that, please tell your story a little bit, because I know you've been involved at multiple levels at Michigan as well, but you know, tell us where you grew up and kind of your path a little bit, where you went to college, and then we'll dig into some deeper stuff. So I, I hail from Livonia, Michigan. I actually am, am where I grew up. The club was actually part of my upbringing. I joined the club at about 11 years old, went from there, um, graduated from the University of Michigan, played at the University of Michigan, was a captain there as well. Went on to go directly, for the most part, into coaching. Um, I was an assistant coach at Oakland U University, had a couple Hawks teams, um, and at some point, I kind of chose to go the path of the youth game um, and then worked my way up from being a coach in the club to um, a director of the girls and then on to be the president of the club. So I've been around it a long time. I've been around the game a long time. I've been around the youth women's game a long time. Um, and I really enjoy what the ECNL is doing right now. All right. Well, that's well said, because before the ECNL, the Michigan Hawks were where? We had a short stint in the DA, which existed um, for the girls for a very short period of time. Um, but we actually, we, that year, we were in both the ECNL and DA. And then before then, it was just USYSA. So um, we've been part of the ECNL, uh, I think, the, since the second year in. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a good run. So second year in. And can you take us back to that process, right? Like, so the first year happens, 
were you guys doing a wait and see or were you not accepted or no uh yeah Yeah. i mean it was kind of like we want to see yeah and again i wasn't initially so i would tell you doug landafel what initiated most of that but yes i would say that's that's some of what it was he didn't want to jump in right away um once we know who knew who was in the league the quality of the teams that were in the league um and what the league was trying to do which is probably the most important thing it all made sense um i think since then what i would tell you is i've watched the league grow evolve change it's grown into a league that's extremely supportive of the women's game and i think even if you've watched the ncaa tournament um this year what you're going to see is the, the the product of what the league has done for women's soccer in the country because even the ncaa games now are i mean the, the level of play is tremendously better than it was 10 years ago even much less five years ago i would tell you and i think part of that of what is is what's going on um probably in the, in the youth game in the country and how the league has evolved um, the women's game and the quality of the players and the quality of the teams and clubs that are in the game. So, you know, I think the league is a huge benefit. And I think the challenge now is it's a great league. It's like what I say to my players though. And, and really even my coaches is that once you get to, to good or really good, that next step to being tremendous is the hard part. Um, because I think that next step is where you need to evaluate every single piece of things. And, you know, whether it's, Location of events, uh, you know, timing of events, um, you know, hotels, all of the other little things that go along that are pieces of the league. Um, and so I think they're in a we're in a really great place with the league. I think it, it will continue to evolve and get better if the minds behind it and the coaches and the teams um, and the leadership behind it continues to um, evolve it. So um, I think it, it's it's been a huge benefit to the women's game. I've watched it. I think, you know. Um, I've, I've been a part of a club where initially when you did this, um, you know, the coaches who initially got into it when I did were coaches who did it because they love the game. Um, you know, it's evolved since then. You can get paid well and do all of those good things with it. Um, but I think you have a lot of minds in the game right now that got into it for the right reasons. And so I think that that will continue to help, you know, the game and, and, and the league evolve in this country. So. Since you've been there all but the first year, and I know for a fact that your U19 team played in the national championship game because I called that game. Sorry about the result, but I thought your team was outstanding. And I would go on to, you know, see some of those players on the Big Ten Network. You know, this might be tough, but, you know, what are two or three of your greatest memories with your time with the Michigan Hawks, particularly in the ECNL? Yeah, so the national championship runs are awesome because we've had a few of those since I've been there. Um, you know, what? We, we play a lot of teams like we did with the Slammers in California, who are tremendous teams, tremendously coached with tremendous talent. Um, and I think, honestly, that's the benefit of the league. When you get to those final stages of things like that, um, you can see the talent, the absolute talent and, and kind of the future of the game in this country um, and the future of the game probably professionally in this country and others, when you watch what's going on with some of these U18, U17, U16 teams, the quality of the players, the teams, the coaching, the environment is is second to none. Um, And I I can recall quite a few games where it doesn't just come down to athletes playing the game. You know, it it has evolved in this game where it's, it's, it's full scale. It's, it's, you know, level of play, it's level of coaching, it's, it's tactical analysis. It's, so I think there's so much required now 
um, which has helped these these players, these teams, these coaches move to a really high level. So it's really fun. Uh, the 99s won back-to-back national championships, which was tremendous for us. I was not the head coach on that. Doug Landefeld was the head coach. But even just to be a part of it, watch it evolve. Um, and I would tell you, we were never the better team in the final when we won those. So we played against teams that, if you were to look at it on paper, were better than us. And we somehow came out with a win in both those games. Um, so that was those were tremendous, I would tell you slightly unexpected. And at some points during the game, I can, I can replay um, the game and, and not, not be really certain of how we did it. Um, but that these kids and players find a way to do it is the unbelievable part. So those are tremendous memories. I mean, for me, it is, it's, it's the events, the showcases. I have many years of memories. And I think that that's, that's what, what this brings to the table is it brings people together. It's the, the league has the ability to bring clubs, teams, and, and players and families together. The clubs also have their duty in doing that. But the showcases, the events, even p- particular derbies and, and league games, find a way to bring people together, um, which is the tremendous part, I think, and the power that the league has. It's really cool to think of it, you know, because you watch, and I was watching the NCAA game um, last night, and just watching some of the players. I mean, I, I watched them in the league. We played against them. And so um, it's really cool to see four or five years later, how well these girls are doing at university and and doing in college and some professionally. And it's, it's just really a a great thing to be a part of. I'm the lucky one. Well, and I, I feel like I'm lucky too, because as somebody who's called college soccer for almost 26 years to see the development, particularly on the women's game, it's unparalleled Mm. and so exciting. And so many teams, I mean, even in the big 10, nine teams made it two were, you know, in the elite eight, one step away from making the college cup in Penn state and Nebraska. And of course the ACC is always really good as we're here with Michelle Krisnick, who is the president of the Michigan Hawks and also the director of coaching. She rattled off those national championships. You know, Michelle, I've been around you, uh, you know, not a ton, but long enough to know that you've got a giant soccer brain and you love the sport. And I feel like I can say that because other important people like Christian labors and leaders of the ECNL have said, the same thing but one of the things that I did find interesting is you said in two of those national championships you weren't the better team but you won what is it about the Michigan Hawks culture that allowed you to win those games even if you felt like you weren't the better team I think it's a standard I mean it's a standard of holding people to a standard they don't even know that they can achieve I would tell you that that's the hard part is because because sometimes you're you're dealing with kids and so you have to set a level of expectation that they don't even know they have in them. Um, I do believe that's a huge piece of it. And the fact that it existed before I was in the club as a coach is the easy part. The hard part is making it continue. You know, there is a little bit of legacy there, but I do believe it's a standard that was set long before I ever set foot as a coach in the club because I felt it as a player. And I do think it's just kind of expecting more. And I think it's, you know, I, I was just talking to the 2006s, which are our U19 group. Um, you know, they're second in the Midwest right now, which is a tough conference. They played their last ECNL home league game this past Sunday. And so we meet in, in the office beforehand. And I was just trying to tell them that, you know, no matter what it is, just hold yourself to a higher standard than, than you even think possible. You know, whether it's, whether it's life, relationships, academics, career, soccer, you know, your job is to always expect more, want more and do more to get all of that more. And I think for me, that's, that is a tone we set and we try to set it every day. It's even just, it starts with a passing pattern in the beginning of training. 
you know, because you can go through and you can walk through it and you can do 15 minutes of it. it's kind of low key and it is what it is. But when you know what the standard is supposed to be and you and, and you you don't accept less than that, you continue to raise the standard. So I think it's not accepting less, really, to be honest. I will say some of it is tactics in one game in particular, the plan that Doug came up with. I would tell you, I was thinking he was a little bit off the wall, not sure mm-hmm. it was going to work. It happened to work um, and and, you know, it went his way. But it, it was a little bit of a, it was a risky, risky plan. He took risks. He, he, you know, and I think you have to be brave. You have to be brave, you know, uh, and, and this is Doug's quote. You, you have to be brave enough to make mistakes, but not dumb enough to repeat them. And I think that that is the truth. You do. You have to have braver in you to take risks. But it is a standard. I would tell you it's a standard. And sometimes I just want to sit back and say, all right, well, that was great. Let's just revel in the great day. Now, that was fantastic. Um, and I would say that Doug's probably a constant reminder that we haven't gotten there yet and it's time to keep going. And so I think you need people around you who aren't going to accept average, you know, that there's always more out there. Um, there's always a better than even what your best is. And I think that's it. You just, you, you keep pushing them. They're kids. And I think if you let them be okay, they're going to be okay. If you help them get to great, they'll be great. Getting to, you know, really great, fantastic, tremendous, that's really difficult. It takes a lot of people. It takes, you know, a lot of things to go into play there. But I think that it is. It's just holding a really high standard all of the time. That's at least part of it. Yeah, what a great answer. And it applies to more than just winning those two national championships that maybe you didn't. And it applies, it seems like, every day approach of the Michigan Hawks. That's segment one in the books. We're here with Michelle Krisnick, who is the president and director of coaching with the Michigan Hawks. When we return, we're going to dive into how they formulate who's going to make their top-level ECNL teams. And then after that, we're going to break down the conference and get a little bit kind of more of inside the ECNL with Michelle Krisnick. This is Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. We'll be back after this message from the sponsors of the ECNL. Nike is a proud sponsor of ECNL Girls. Nothing can stop what we can do together to bring positive change to our communities. You can't stop sport because hashtag you can't stop our voices. Follow Nike on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soccer.com is proud to partner with the ECNL to support the continued development of soccer in the U.S. at the highest levels. We've been delivering quality soccer equipment and apparel to players, fans, and coaches since 1984. Living and breathing the beautiful game ourselves, our goal at Soccer.com is to inspire you to play better, cheer louder, and have more fun. Visit Soccer.com today to check out our unmatched selection of gear, expert advice, and stories of greatness at every level of the game. Welcome back to Breaking the Line, the East Now podcast. Really enjoying our visit with Michelle Krisnick, who is the president and director of coaching with the Michigan Hawks. When we went to break, Michelle, I said we would talk about kind of what goes into making the top ECNL team and how that breaks down and you know, now they have the regional league and everything else. And, you know, some teams have gold, silver, you know, red, blue, whatever. Like, can you kind of walk us through, like, let's do it at the highest level. Let's do it at the U19 level because those girls are going okay. on. I mean, pretty your entire roster was headed to a D1 powerhouse. Like, how do you get on that team, for instance? What's the process there? 
Yeah, so we start with kids at a very young age, four and five in our club. So um, I would tell you the number of kids from that U19 team last year or my U19s this year that started with the club at five, six, seven, eight are probably, you'd probably be surprised. It's probably four, five, six, somewhere in there. And, you know, so part of it is developing those players in-house. I would tell you it's holding a high standard in the environment. But how do you select those players? Listen, they obviously the first group. So the ECL has done a great job. So I, I would tell you that first to start off, we've got two groups in the top tier of the ECNL. So we've got two groups in the first tier of the Midwest Conference. Then we've got an RL group, which I think the ECNL has done a good job of adding that piece because then you, you can apply different levels of teams, clubs, et cetera. So I think that's been fantastic. What I would tell you in terms of making the top team, it's not just about being a good athlete, but it's about wanting to put the time in to be good enough to do this. So again, it does take a, a full commitment of time, energy, um, and then just desire to be able to compete in this environment. I would tell you the kids who, so with our two groups, uh, we're a little lucky. It, the, the difference would be one group plays high school, the other does not. So the our, our first group is a year round group. They train 11 months. Um, you know, they get a month off if they're, if they're lucky or unlucky, depending on playoffs. Right. So, um, depending on which way you look at, it, we start back up in August, those don't end until July, whatever. So they don't have a lot of time off, so they have to be committed, you know, as far as selecting players that happens over, you know, a course of years, but I would tell you, they've got to be committed to the development piece, the ability to be coached, um, the ability to train at that level on a daily basis, which I think is very difficult. Um, that in itself is a huge investment. Um, we do have players that drive two hours or some three hours. So we have people coming over great distances. So, you know, you're drawing from a, a bigger pool of players by getting people um, throughout the state and kind of um, delving into Ohio and Illinois a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're tremendous soccer players with, with the desire to do this. And it's just, it's really a commitment to the idea of a team, which I think is most important. I think that's one thing we do really well is we develop great teams. And uh, that is a commitment to not just yourself, but other people. And so again, you know, attending training and getting there, every, that, that stuff is really, really of the utmost importance to create the setting so that it's high enough on a daily basis that everyone is getting everything uh, they need out of the setting and then and then that it is at a level that's going to continue to improve and what we try to do with that setting is just make sure the training is a setting that prepares us to play against um, our our tough competitors in the conference so the slsgs or you know um, eclipse or whoever right so again if a session is below those levels then we're not ready to play that next match you know and so i think we try to hold training sessions that you know get us to be able to compete at that level and that's task really right because you're in-house trying to trying to create a game against slsg is a tough one <laughs> so again it's just holding that standard it's the same thing i said before about just really holding a high standard and it's in every piece you know it, it starts with expectations games trainings but it's it, it boils down to even the littlest passing pattern you know that you hold high expectations and all of it and that can sometimes be very difficult you know, and I think that that's the piece that um, we've done pretty well over the years. And that's allowed us um, some of our success. But um, it is a commitment. It's, it's a huge commitment you get from people. Yeah, but just, you know, obviously we have great athletes. It's it's about getting them to uh, make sure they're focused on the important pieces. You know, it starts with obviously the basics. But then it's also studying the game, watching the game, 
um, doing some video study, you know, over the pat the reason, the reason the game has evolved and you'll see it at the youth level, which is now, you know, gone into the, I would say the college level and other levels is that um, there's so much more being done, so much more time being put into being a good player. You know, these girls are watching more than they ever did before. And obviously it's more available to them, but they're, they're watching, you know, now you have all the, the recording systems that are allowing them to, you know, watch themselves and evaluate themselves, which has been, uh, I think, super helpful for a lot of them. And at the end of the day, it's just a commitment to being, to being as good as you can be. And so we're, we're lucky to have a lot of great kids, great athletes. And behind that, I will tell you, our great families, the best teams we have are supported by great parents who kind of let us just do our job, bring groups together, bring teams together, coach their kids, let them fail sometimes, but also um, support them in the right ways. And I think uh, any great um, team, I would extend that into great clubs are supported by great families, you know, as well as, as the kids and the players that are involved in it. If you don't have the support of the families, or they're making life difficult, or a lot of them are making life difficult. I think it everything becomes a challenge, you know? So I think you have to have trust and, and good support, and we are very lucky to have that here. So I think we're blessed with that as well. That is one of the most phenomenal answers with so many layers to it that I love it because, you know, one of the things that I'm certain is there, and it's got to be the hardest part of your job, is this thrill of making that top team that you just talked about. And I love that you have one that has high school as well because everybody's mm -hmm. got to find their own place. But, you know, to me, Michelle, the thrill for the players that make it is one thing, but then the agony of having to tell a player they're not quite there yet is mm -hmm. real, right? Yeah. Like, and you probably Absolutely. change like over the years on how you deal with that. Can you just talk about how, how you do deal with it? Yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've, now I'm, um, you know, maybe it's my age, I'm not sure, but I, I'm, I'm, um, more apt to be very honest with people because, um, and, and I don't mean brutal honesty, but I mean, honesty in the sense that if you give people the, you know, your honest assessment of where a kid is, that's the only way, um, that they can choose to change something, you know? And so I think, yes, it's very difficult, but I think there is a very huge dose of honesty uh, for kids who aren't quite there. And again, it's one, you know, one or two or three, however many people are deciding it's, it's one person's assessment. And I say this all the time. I had a coach at U18, you know, kind of told me I wasn't good enough. I, I I'd been very lucky. I played a, a lot and end up sitting in, in one um, fairly important game. And um, you know, I, I lost time at towards the end of my oldest year and what I had decided in that moment that I was never going to let anyone tell me again that I, I wasn't good enough. I mean, that's what he was telling me very directly, right? And um, I think I got to choose how I responded to that. But what that took me into was basically the rest of my life. I had a tremendous college career, better than I could have ever expected. Um, I want to call myself fairly humble and not recognizing um, probably, you know, what my talents were exactly and what I could do with them. And I had a, a another club coach who, who always kind of um, made sure I was, I was on track with that and pushed me to be better than I was. But I also let that experience fuel me. So what I truly believe is when someone tells you, well, you're not good enough for this now, and you can find answers from that person and others as to what you can do, then you choose to really put the time in and do them and change your status or not. And you have a choice. 
So I, I would tell you those kind of things where someone's telling you you're not good enough or, you know, this, that, and the other should be fuel for you to move on in life, whether, whether it's soccer or whether it's your career, whether it's whatever, right? I think I always encourage my players, you know, I'm telling you this is where you're at right now, you know, and this is where I see the best fit for you. But you get to respond to all of that. And I think that's a really important thing for kids to realize is that, you know, if you're if you're a coach or a teacher, you're in, and you're in a non-growth mindset, uh, then you're probably in the wrong profession. So all of us should be thinking, hey, we leave it up to them. They have the power to do whatever they want and however they want to respond will will really determine where they are in a year, two years, five years or 10 years. And so um, I think you can use that as fuel. I mean, listen, you, it, not being good enough, failure in moments, it's part of life. You're going to there's at some point you're going to be told, well, you're either second, you're third, you're 10th, you're last. And again, you get to choose if you want to remain second, third, 10th or last, you can stay there. Or you can put some work in and see what what the end result is after that. I mean, that's a huge life lesson um, that I think all of us need to learn at some point. And really, learning in a game of soccer, it's not the worst way to learn it. You know, I think um, it's a safe setting for the most part. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great way to learn a life lesson that's super important and will take you throughout life. So. Another great answer, Michelle Krisnick, who is the president and director of coaching with the Michigan Hawks. They're in the Midwest Conference. When we return, our last segment, we'll dive into the Midwest Conference. I'll ask Michelle to break that down and then how she navigates from the Midwest Conference to the other different series, to the championship, that and more in our final segment with Michelle Krisnick, the president and director of coaching with the Michigan Hawks. The ECNL is pleased to announce Quick Goal as the official goal provider and partner for ECNL Girls and ECNL Boys, a new partnership created to support the growth and development of the country's top players, clubs, and coaches. At all national events, including national playoffs and national finals, the Quick Goal Coaches Corner will provide hospitality and social space for ECNL girls, ECNL boys, and collegiate coaches. Quick Goal will also be the presenting sponsor of the National championship winning ECNL girls and ECNL boys coaches of the year and the ECNL girls and ECNL boys goals of the year. Quick Goal looks forward to helping the ECNL continue to elevate the standards of youth soccer and provide more opportunities to players on and off the field in the coming years. From athletes just starting to turn heads to some of the best athletes to ever play their games, Gatorade shows that they are the proven fuel of the best. For the athletes who give everything, nothing beats Gatorade. The studied, tested, and proven fuel of the ECNL. Welcome back to Breaking the Lines. Great time with Michelle Krisnick, the president and director of coaching with the super talented Michigan Hawks. And Michelle, you're in the Midwest Conference, so for people listening that aren't familiar, and I know you don't have a computer in front of you, but I bet you know every team that's in the Midwest Conference are pretty close. Can can you tell us who makes up the Midwest Conference? Yes, I can, I believe. So SLSG has two two groups in it. MTA, which is out of Minnesota, um, Kansas City, Sporting Blue Valley, Sporting Iowa, the Eclipse, us, Liverpool, Midwest. But it's a great conference. Um, I would tell you a very strong conference. We're lucky to be in it. Um, I think it's, you know, you get uh, for, for our first groups, it's it's a lot of challenging games. And I, I think we are, we really benefit um, from the level of play that is in the conference. Um, you know, at the end of the day right now, I think SLSG is sitting in first, we're sitting in second with the 06s, with the 7s, my, my 07s are in first. 
and SLSG, I think KCR. So it's it's like, and it's one, two, three, four with some of these these clubs kind of every single year. You know, right now, I would tell you the top group, Sporting Blue Valley, I think, uh, is in first with the 08s, and our 08s are in second. So it's tough competition every year. First is not easy to, to gain. Um, you know, there probably are a, a, tuple, a couple top clubs that, that vie for those spots every year. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really great competition. And with what I've seen in the conference, I would tell you, it used to just be um, where I felt like we had one, two, three good, good clubs. Now it's definitely more well-rounded where what you've seen is, and then we've got a second group in the conference too, the magic group. Um, and so I've been lucky enough to watch their evolution over the past five years. And, and it's, it's been tremendous to watch. My coaches have done a fantastic job because the level that they're playing at is, is, is much, much improved from what it was four years ago. Um, you know, and, and it's impressive. And I think that goes all around, that goes all around. I think the coaching, the level of coaching, um, in, in the ECNL, the love coaching in the conference has been tremendous. And what happens when you're in a conference like the Midwest is you push to be better. If you're a competitive person, you push to be better. Um, I do remember um, Scotty McDonald, I talked to him, he called me about five years ago and was asking me, you know, what we do because our teams play so well together. They seem to be such good teams, you know, and, and they work well together. And so what did we do behind the scenes, you know, besides the training environment to create good teams? you know, because they were trying to instill more of that in their programming. And so, you know, you work together with smart coaches. So you've got, you know, like I said, I think a lot of coaches who are in here initially joined it with the intent of coaching young women, coaching young people um, and helping them become better soccer players and evolve them into better people in the process as well. And so you've got people with really good brains, but have the right intentions behind it, which I think is really important all of this and I think anytime you're in a conference like this or in a league like this I would I would go further to say it's really nice to be able to share ideas with some of the best around the country and those people want you know they make me want to be better I'm I don't I, I want to be better for my kids because I have the benefit like I said of being here a long time um, I've got 30 year old women who are now um, they've they've definitely long graduated from playing college soccer and long graduated from playing most soccer but have families and kids and uh, last summer one of my first teams got together you know, but I see the benefit that the game and the team that they were part of and the club that they were part of, um, the benefit it had on their lives and shaping who they are. And they expressed that to me. And so that makes me want to be better and do better and do more for the kids in our club. But I think there are so many people in the league and in our conference that just want to make it as good as we can make it for these kids. And so there's tough competition. We love to compete against one another. Game day is tough sometimes. You got your game face on. But at the end of the day, we are all you know, I think the majority of these coaches um, and clubs are in it to make sure we promote the best environment we can for the growth of these young women. So uh, I think it's it's fantastic. The Midwest Conference is super competitive. We're lucky to be in it, um, you know, and, and it's it's enjoyable. It's, it's enjoyable because you know you're going to find a good game around the corner. Just three more questions for you. And one yeah. of them is going to be my second one, but I want you thinking about it, is okay. how you use what you accomplished in the Midwest conference to advance up the ladder to try to win national mm -hmm. championships but before we get to that it would be you know right now we live in this very politically charged country right where mm -hmm. um you know they're questioning elections and everything else which means they're doing redistricting and that type of thing so that kind of leads me to ask you like as new teams come in does sometimes based on geography does it change 
conferences every once in a while because of new teams and how they break down much like the kind of way the, the political world is, right? Where they redistrict a senator or. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and that's what I would tell you. I mean, I think that's where the ECNL is right now. We have, uh, this league is a really good thing, really good thing. I think the job of the ECNL and its leadership and all of the coaches and clubs within is now just like anything. It's the same thing we do with our own club. You take a step back, you look at every showcase, you look at every facet of the league, you look at every, you know, everything you're doing on a daily basis and you evaluate all of the little things that you might be able to do a little bit better that make this experience great for the players, the families, the coaches, and everyone involved in it. Um, because I think that this is, this is what the league needs to be. Um, extremely competitive, um, but providing great experiences to people that take them into their lives. Um, and I think that yes, you're right by adding teams and, and um, it, it does change things, but I think that has to be done for any evolution of, of things. So I think reevaluating things um, and adding teams is great. The, the nice part is I think there's probably a place for almost everyone because there is a regional league level. I do think that, you know, we, we can accommodate more than one level of club and team. And I think that that's a great part. Um, but yeah, it does change. Um, I would tell you, I think the league needs to continue because like I said, we're in a really, really good spot and to continue to try to push for more, I think is the right thing to continue to try to make it better. I believe is the right thing. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, adding another great team uh, is, is always going to be a good thing because it's the right thing for both sides. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, you know, you continue to make this league as, as good as you possibly can. I think, I think we're, we're really in a fantastic spot and just, you know, like it's the same, it's the same, same thing I said earlier. It's really good. It's, it's fantastic. Now there's still more though. And so there's probably more work to be done, uh, more ways to make it even better. Um, and I think that's the job of the league and its leadership. And so, um, and, and with the help of all of the coaches and clubs involved, because I think you don't get any of this done with, uh, you know, with just a few people. So, so in its simplest form, Michelle, walk me through how you use your games in the Midwest conference to get your team set to make it to the different layers that then eventually get you to that championship weekend where you're hopefully lifting up a trophy together. Yeah, it's not easy, I would tell you, because, uh, and, you know, we have the SLSG Derby at the end of October where we play SLSG, um, Navy and Green. Um, those are usually two fantastic games, which is nice. So you need you do need to, we've got 14 games or whatever in the conference, which is, which is good. Um, but you, you also probably want to, you know, those showcases supplement it, I would tell you. Um, and the one thing the ECNL does really well, I think, is set up the showcase games like to like. So again, if you're first or second in your conference, you know, I, I think my sevens, because they've been first in the conference all year, man, they had a tough Phoenix schedule. But playing people who are as good or better than us are only going to get us ready for that, you know, that final stretch in June. If you don't play enough of those games, um, then I think you're probably not ready to see teams like that in June. So we're lucky enough, um, you know, to, to be able to see them at the showcases, which I would tell you is really important. But yeah, playing SLSG, um, you know, Eclipse at times, Sporting Blue Valley are good games. You know, these are good games that it, they're, they're top in the country. And so it's really nice to be able to play those people within our conference in the league. Um, but then the showcases are tremendously important um, to be, be able to play the top teams that you're probably going to see at playoffs, you know, California, Dallas area obviously has very strong, strong 
uh, teams, clubs throughout. Um, so those are always a challenge for us, you know, and they're very athletic. So we have to deal with an athleticism that maybe we don't see in other areas. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge benefit. I, I don't, at the end of the day, uh, I don't, I don't think you're going to ever see enough good teams to be able to get to those final stages. Um, and when you get there, I think it's always very exciting, but having the ability to play great teams beforehand is, is preparation for sure. So we are lucky to have that within conference and then obviously at the showcases. All right. Last question. It'll be simply a fill in the blank. It should be easy because it'll come from your heart. And I can tell you're super passionate about what you do. We're talking about Michelle Krisnick, who's the president and the director of coaching for the always impressive Michigan Hawks. And to Michelle Krisnick, the ECNL means what? Family. And we have a slogan at the club that says we are family, but I think it means Lots of intelligent minds coming together to continue to reform and push women's soccer so that these girls have opportunities beyond what they even think. And I think the game itself is just a, a way to continue to evolve. I, I want to say the world. That sounds probably too big. But hopefully that we're putting better people into the world that will help the world continue to move forward um and be in in a better place the future is bright because of people like you that has given you've already given so much yet you're willing to give even more which means you're inspiring others to want to do the same and i think because of that michelle you will have a legacy that will live on when you finally do hang up the coaching boots and i don't say that in a sycophantic way i say it in a way where i think mm -hmm. other people feel it and i felt it in this interview michelle krisnick the president and director of coaching for the Michigan Hawks. Thanks for being this week's guest on Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. Thank you, Dean. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast. For more information on the ECNL, visit us at www.theecnl.com. And if you have a suggestion for the show or a great idea for a guest, please email us at info at theecnl.com. Breaking the Line, the ECNL podcast is an ECNL production. ECNL, more than a league.